my name is Abby, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch this message from the church. We pray that you are highly blessed and encouraged. We would love to connect with you more at our website at www.thechurchokc.com. Tonight we're going to start a series called Limitless. How many of you know that we serve a limitless God? You know, it's, 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 it's amazing. We, we, uh, we say that all the time. You know, my God is big. He can do anything. But it's hard for us to, to really dig in and take the vagueness out of that statement. Because there is some vagueness in that statement. Tonight we're going to talk about a limitless God. But, but what does that mean and what does that entail in our situation? You know, it's easy for us to say, Man, my God can do anything. But if you're battling with cancer, it's a little harder to say, my God can remove all of my cancer. Oh, my God can do anything. But when we're behind on a bill, it's a little harder to say, my God can provide that bill. You know, I was encouraged just this week. I read a story of a Oh, I believe she was five or six-year-old little girl. She had brain cancer. Doctors told her three years ago, prepare her funeral now. And the story is so encouraging because it says that she is the first person in history to have brain cancer go into remission. I'm telling you tonight, church, my God is limitless. We've got a lot of verses tonight, and I'm going to try to run through them quick, but Psalms 145, verse 3 says, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure His greatness. You know, as we set out to consider the limitness, limitlessness of God, we must first consider a question, can, can finite beings, us, in our little brains, can we, and we measure everything by our experience, can we truly conceive the infinity, the limitlessness of God? Here is God's pointed question in Isaiah 46, and I'll just paraphrase it here. To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me? That we would be alike. God's saying, you think you can wrap your head, your mind, your brain around who I am? Well then tell me who is comparable to me. Tell me who is like me. A great theologian and writer, A.W. Tozer, explains it like this. God dwells in a mode of being totally beyond us. And wholly above us and infinitely removed from us. So that when we think about God, we are trying to think about someone unlike anything we know. God says, who am I like? Or to whom will you compare me? The answer being nobody. Nobody's like God. Nothing's like God. God is like himself. 
We attempt to conceive of a mode of being with which we are completely unfamiliar. Not merely somewhat unfamiliar, but completely unfamiliar. To paraphrase this great thinker, we ain't got a clue of what God is really like. We don't, God doesn't exist in our experience. God doesn't exist in us. It's not it's not that we take this infinite God and say, come fit inside my mind. Come fit inside my being and let me experience you like that. No, when we're talking about God, when we're in the neighborhood of God, it's not, God, we're going to reduce you so that we can understand you. No, we're going to experience the mystery and the majesty of the triune God. And to give you a little example of that, stop for a minute and try to really understand the Trinity. That is a wet noodle you don't want to wrap your mind around, all right? We understand it to be true. But you know, the word Trinity is nowhere in Scripture. The idea of it is there, and the examples of it are there. But that word is not there. And to try to explain even that very basic part of what we use to describe God, we can't do it. The God of glory is limitless and measureless. All of God's attributes, all that is a part of our God and of his nature are limitless and measureless. Not only God is limitless, but he cannot be limited. All existence can trace its source back to God. Therefore, God exceeds the sum of all existence. You know, the Bible tells us that before anything was, God was. Okay, in the beginning was God. Before all things, there was God. In the beginning, when everything began, God was already there. He had already set up residence. And it was funny, just last night, um, Brandon and Hootie, they're sitting at the table and they're having typical conversations that seven-year-olds have. And it involves everything from Legos to Minecraft to how God existed before anything else existed. And so they leave the table at the same time and they come running in and they're like, Daddy, Daddy. I'm like, what? Was God born? No. Well, how was he just there? I don't know. Well, wait, wait, but so, but he had to be, nope, he was just there. And then Abby chimes in, you can just ask him when you get to heaven. <laughs> you know, even to a seven-year-old, we can't even explain the very characteristics of our God. And here's an amazing truth to consider, church. As scientists are able to explore deeper and deeper into the minute particles of the atom and farther and farther into the great expanse of the heavens. They continue to, to discover that there is more to be discovered. Could God have created an infinite world? This is a curious question to consider, but one thing is clear, at least as far as man will ever understand it, the universe is infinite. And God created all of it with the simple command of his word. Think about that. Job 36, 26 says, Look, God is exalted beyond what we can understand. His years are without number. Job 9, 10 says, His great works are too marvelous to understand. 
He performs the miracles. I love this. He performs the miracles without number. God is in the business of miracles, and he performs them so frequently. Don't even try to count. It's like going to the sand and trying to count, or going to the beach and trying to count the grains of sand. It's beyond number. Romans eleven thirty three through 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or whom has he first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. And I love this, and we're going to get to this here in just a little bit, but Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 says this. Have you never understood or heard? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. You know, I, I love this, and there's a, 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 a preacher that I've heard before, and he has a message that you can actually pull up and watch on the internet. It's called, How Great Is Our God? And his name is Louis Gigolo, and he's talking about the greatness and the grandeur of our God. And he holds up a golf ball, and he says, imagine that this golf ball is the earth, and you're someplace on it. Our sun and our solar system is so big that you could fill up a school bus with golf balls and that would equal how many earths you can put into our star, into our sun. And he goes on and he talks about all these and he gets to Canis Majoris, which is the biggest star that we know of. And Canis Majoris stands for big dog. And this is a big, big star. The star is so big that if earth was a golf ball, you could cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep with golf balls. And you'd be in the neighborhood of how big Canis Majoris is. Our God breathed that out of his mouth. Our God is limitless. You let that sink in for just a minute, limitless. And Clarissa, I'm sorry, you're going to have to try to keep up with me. But we're going to go down to Isaiah chapter 40. If you've got your Bibles, I ask that you turn them there. <sighs> and we're going to start in verse 18 tonight. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman cast, cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast it for, silver, for its silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman and set up an idol that will not move. So if, if I stop here for just a second, what, what this what this. This writer is saying here, is he, he's, he's explaining to whom shall we compare God? The idols that we make, 
the little gods, the things that we elevate. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a title. Maybe it's position. Whatever it may be. We spend money on it. We, we cast these idols of it. And we try to compare that to God. Well, God, this will supply my needs. And, and if I can be truthful here and, and to the point, for some of us, maybe it's an addiction. Our Bible tells us that God is the great counselor, that he's the prince of peace, but yet some of us, we're addicted to pills or we're addicted to drugs and we elevate that, we put our money towards that, we put our time to that because we're saying, okay, well this is going to give me a little peace. This is going to dull my senses a little bit so, so I, don't have to under, I don't have to face what I'm going through. For others, maybe it's a relationship. But what we're saying here in Isaiah is this, to whom will we compare our God? That high will run out. That, that buzz is eventually going to leave you and that relationship is not guaranteed. It's just an idol. <laughs> and I like this in verse 21. This is what we just read. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Yeah, I'm not going to get political tonight, but it's well documented, our president, whenever he takes a vacation, I mean, it's like millions of dollars. He takes his family like overseas for like two days, and it's like $47 million or something like that. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, and I sit back and I'm up in, I'm working at my job and I'm up in, fiberglass ceiling like halfway up all right and it's hot and it's stinky and I'm itching and the thought crosses my mind I would not mind being in Hawaii right now in the president's stead playing golf <laughs> you know but what this verse is telling us is this that our God brings princes and presidents to nothing he empties them dry with his majesty. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. Those that we elevate, those are that high and mighty, the ones that we aspire to become. King LeBron James, who lets a little heat get to him. You guys remember a few weeks ago, our air conditioners went out. I was up here preaching. Nobody had to carry me off the stage. <clears throat> so, then the writer asks again, to whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created them. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. 
by the greatness of his might and because he is strong and power, not one is missing. And this is where the writer turns the corner. And this is where we're going to turn the corner tonight is because we've been talking about, we've been singing about the majesty and the mystery of a limitless God. Think back to the illustration of Canis Majors. The entire state of Texas covered in golf balls, two feet high. And you pick out one of those golf balls and somewhere you're on that. And our God breathed that out. And then the author turns and says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. We cannot limit God, but sometimes what we do, even as good Christians, what we do is we limit God by His limitless. I know. You're like, what? We say God's too big to worry about me. God, God, God is, is ruling over all of this. And here I am on that little golf ball in Oklahoma, over here in the corner of the city, and not even my own family and friends know I'm here. So how can I expect God to know that I'm here? Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, and have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God? So he's saying, okay, look, I understand. You're saying that, 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 that you're so small and you're so insignificant, but haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Let me just reemphasize one more time how big our God is because I want this to sink in. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. To bring it to modern terms, God's knowledge is bigger than Google, Google search. All right? You know, you can search just about anything on Google. God's ways and his knowledge are unsearchable. We don't even know the right questions to ask to get the answers that God can supply us. Think about that. <clears throat> his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might... He increases their strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Our God is big. Our God is majestic. He has no end and he has no beginning. 
So we don't understand God the way that we understand one another. We don't understand God the way that we understand the universe. Because God is high and lifted and, and over that. He's before that. You have to understand that, that God didn't create the universe and say, boom, there it is. It's created. The universe and our existence exists within the majesty and the glory of God. So when you get to the end of the end of the end of what we think is the end, we're just beginning to get to the beginning of God. And so we say, God, you're so great and you're so powerful and I know you can do anything, but can you work in my situation on this little golf ball on this little planet out here where nobody else sees me? God looks down and he says, I give power to the faint. My limitlessness is not contained in my bigness. The Bible tells us that God knows the very number of hairs on our head. That before you were even a speck in your mother's womb, God intimately knew you. What we have to understand tonight is that we just don't have an idol. We just don't have a Saturday night God that's on our side. We have the limitlessness of God on our side. When God says, I'm for you, it's not I'm going to stand on the sidelines and I'm going to clap and cheer and say, hey, you go get them, boy. No, it's that when you need a helping hand, I'm going to step in to your situation and I'm going to help and I'm going to bring everything with me. All of my majesty, all of my glory, all of my presence is offered to you when you wait on me. Yeah, but Brian, you don't know what I'm going through. The body and the blood. But, but Brian, you, you know, I've got, I've got this bill, I've got this, and, and so-and-so said something bad about me, and they hurt my feelings, and I'm crying, and, and I don't want to come out of my closet. Yeah, no, you're, you're missing it. The body and the blood. Yeah, but God doesn't really understand my situation, and, and, and I've prayed that he would help me find a job, and, and I really want a job like this, and 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 this, so all of this other stuff, but this is what I want. And No, you're not the body and the blood. But Brian, the, the doctor said the body and the blood. Brian, you keep saying that. I don't think it means what you think it means. No, it means exactly what I think it means. The limitlessness of God is found in the body and the blood. Your answer for whatever you're facing is found in the body and the blood. Well, Brian, how can that help me with the bills? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The body and the blood can give you victory over death, hell, and the grave. Don't you think it can help your runny nose? Don't you think it can help a little red in your checkbook? Don't you think it can help you in that relationship? It's the body and the blood. This is where we find the limitlessness of God. This is where we come and we wait. Those who wait upon the Lord. 
those who wait for the Lord, those who remember the Lord, will renew their strength. This is what gives us the strength to mount up with wings like eagles. This is what gives us the strength to run and grow, not grow weary, to walk and not faint. It's the understanding of this. And to go back with, to something that we said earlier, you know it's good preaching when you begin to lose your voice. <clears throat> the Eucharist is basic. We don't understand it. We don't understand God. We don't understand his majesty. We don't understand his limitlessness. We don't understand how he can breathe the stars that he can breathe. We don't understand the body and the blood. But it's by this that we understand everything else. Brian, I don't understand what I'm going through. You're going through life. You're going through life. We live in a fallen world that's affected by sin. Well, Brian, how can the body and the blood, the body and the blood gives us victory over sin and over anything sin wants to throw our way? When we find ourselves at this table, you know, it said that in the garden they took and ate and brokenness came. But today we take and we eat and we are made whole. See, we expect God to act everywhere, but where he's promised to act, at the table, at the waters of baptism, when we anoint with oil, God has promised us that he will act when we remember, when we wait on him, when we pause and say, not my answers, not, not, not my understanding, not even the questions that I want to throw at you, God. I just want to wait. I want to, I want to meditate and I want to experience your brokenness so that I can find my wholeness. The table is where the infiniteness of God slams up and overtakes our finite beings. I've always said it like this when it comes to trying to understand God. When I'm flying in an airplane, I don't have to go up in the cockpit and I don't have to sit there with the pilot and say, what does that button do? What does that lever do? What, 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 is that, what is that reading? Why is that red light beeping? Why is there smoke coming out of that engine and we're at 35,000? I don't have to do that. I put my faith in the one who's flying the plane. I, I put my faith in the one that's taking me on the journey. If a storm comes my way, I trust that that pilot is going to maneuver me 
around or over or underneath or if need be, straight through that storm. And it can get scary and it can get frustrating on the inside of that plane. I've been on planes when they've hit air pockets and have dropped like 8,000 feet. I'm a big boy. I was a scared big boy when that happened. All right? But the pilot knew what he was doing. My finite mind cannot comprehend all those buttons and all those lights and everything that's going on up there. But my faith in the pilot pushes me through all that. You may not understand what's going on in your life. And you may not understand everything that's happening and why it's happening. But your pilot's already been there. Your pilot has already traversed those storms and those waves and those waters. All he's asking you to do is just wait on me. Just know that I'm behind the helm. Put your faith in me. You don't have to ask me what this button does when we get to this storm. You just say Jesus. You just say Jesus. We serve a limitless God. And he's not limited in our lives by his limitlessness. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Even young men grow tired. Even youth will grow faint. But those that wait upon the Lord, the limitless Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And it's only a limitless God that can do that. Abby, would you come? Bow your heads with me if you would tonight. I don't know what you've walked in here with. I don't know what you've been facing. I don't know what you've been dealing with. But I just have two words for you tonight. The body and the blood. And some of you, if we were honest tonight, you'd say, my relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus Christ is not what it needs to be. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ to come into your heart as your Savior. Maybe you've never invited Him into the cockpit and said, you know what, I don't know what any of this stuff does, but I have faith that you do. So just take it and take me where I need to go. For others, maybe at one point, you had a relationship with Christ, but now you don't. Some churches call it backsliding. Others call it falling away. Some will say you were never saved to begin with. Doesn't matter what you call it. Jesus gave his body to be broken for you and he gave his blood to be shed for you to show you that you're important to him. He wants to have a relationship with you tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would just be honest tonight and say, Brian, my relationship with Jesus is not what it needs to be, but tonight I want to make things right. Tonight I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. 
be my Lord and be my Savior. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Up, there's another and another. Okay, you can put them down. The one thing I do know tonight, church, is that many of us have come in here tonight with our own battles. With our own scars. With our own storms. And you just need to know tonight that God sees you. That He hears your cry. And I'm here to tell you tonight that He does. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you raised your hand because you need to make things right with Jesus Christ tonight. Or if you've got a battle that you're facing and you just want to spend some time on your knees up here hearing from God and being reassured that He hears you. These altars are going to be open and myself and some of our seasoned saints are going to come up and pray with you. But if you need to hear from God tonight, I ask that you don't let anything keep you in that, in that pew. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Would you please come?